Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 14. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about protecting your child from an online predator. My guest is Genevieve Strickland, the Director of Education at the Morgan Nick Foundation. Genevieve provides education to police officers, schools, and parents regarding protecting our children from those who would hope to hurt them. Genevieve was in front of 40,000 people in 2018 and provides all the education on behalf of the Morgan Nick Foundation. Here now is my conversation with Genevieve Strickland. Okay, here we are on the Connected Family Podcast again this morning, and I am very pleased to have with me as my guest, Genevieve Strickland of the Morgan Nick Foundation. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, So today we're going to be talking about what the Morgan Nick Foundation does and um, the story and a lot of the different education that you guys provide to parents and police forces and educators. Uh, But before we jump into that, I hope that you would just give us a little bit of um, who you are, what your role is at the Morgan Nick Foundation and anything you'd like to share with us. Absolutely. Um, As you said, my name is Genevieve Strickland and I am the Director of Education for the Morgan Nick Foundation. And basically, I do all and any of the education aspects that we do. Um, We do basically three initiatives here at the foundation. Uh, We work with families of missing and abducted children, and we educate, and then we also support legislation that um, is trying to come up with laws or bills that protect kids and keep them safe. So um, I do all of those aspects as well. Um, I'm a case manager as well, working with families. Okay, so case management role might would be directly working with families who would be in a crisis situation. Absolutely, yes. Wow, so you're definitely close to the the hurt and the pain there, I imagine. Yes, yes. I was speaking um, as we were kind of preparing for our conversation today. We were talking earlier, and um, you've trained or been in front of over 40,000 people over the course of the last year. I was blown away by that. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually um, 40,000 kids. Um, If you did all the people, it it would be quite a bit more than that. But um, our organization, we really focus heavily on education. We believe that education is power and that the more a person is educated, the better choices that they can make and the, the better they understand what's actually going on, the, the hopefully the better choices they make. So we do a lot with kids and schools and universities. And yeah, so last year we did about 40,000 um, kids. Wow, that's awesome. It's um, a huge impact. I can't imagine what that's like. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's great. I, I love to work with kids. I love kids. Um, and their kids are awesome. You know, yeah. I know they, they get a bad rap sometimes, um, but they're amazing. And I think the coolest part of my job has really been seeing how um, they are affected and, and empowered by knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see it on their faces. Not all of them, of course, but to get that few that learn something and mm-hmm. it changes what they do and how they do it is pretty amazing. For the most part, I think kids want to make good choices. Um, so that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Um, so thought we would start out or kind of move into a little bit of the story of the Morgan Nick Foundation and how it started and the sort of impetus for it being developed. I wonder if you would sure. share that with us. Yeah, um, about 23 years ago is when our organization started. Um, we started because a little girl named Morgan Nick, she was six years old at the time, and she had traveled with her mom to Alma, Arkansas, to watch a friend play baseball uh, one summer evening in June. Mm-hmm. And while they were there, Morgan went just a yard or two away from her mom with two other children, and they were playing. They were chasing fireflies at night. And while they were doing that, Morgan was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And a huge investigation took place immediately. Um, it still takes place today, but they have not ever found Morgan. So Morgan would be 30 today. Um, and uh, as I said, it's an ongoing case um, and has been for the entire time that that happened. But um it was during that that first year, really, that Colleen, Morgan's mom, realized that Arkansas did not have an organization that worked with families of missing and abducted children. And she realized how beneficial that would have been for her to mm-hmm. have something like that. And so she started the Morgan Nick Foundation. And as I said, that's basically what we do. We work with families of missing and abducted children. And then we educate because we really want families, parents, communities, children to understand what is going on um, in the world today, what what are the safety concerns for everyone, mm-hmm. and um, to hopefully prevent them actually needing us to work with them during a crisis is obviously the, the ultimate goal. So that's what we do, and um, we, we work hard to try to keep up with what those safety concerns are, because unfortunately they change often. Yeah, for sure. I, as you were sharing the story of uh, how the foundation started and the mission started, I couldn't help but think, oh my goodness, this is like every parent's worst nightmare. The, Absolutely. The story of this happening. And, you know, even as I've been aware of Morgan's story, you know, leading up to this conversation, that's one of my worst nightmares, you know, to have, yeah. have that happen. You know, do you, are there statistics about like how common it is? And, and we have a few numbers um, every year in the United States, just in the U.S., mm-hmm. approximately 800,000 children are reported missing each year. Um, and out of that, there's only about 125 are actually abducted the way that Morgan was. Um, most of those issues come in other forms, uh, but but yeah, it's around 800,000 a year that are reported missing, and it averages out to about 2,000 a day. Oh my goodness! So it's a lot of a lot of issues going on out there in, in the world. Yeah, and I wonder if you know, no matter what the circumstances are surrounding that child being missing, 
whether it's a situation like Morgan's or some other situation, the way the parents feel or, or the loved ones feel still is incredibly scared and lost and needing help. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a terrific point because I think sometimes in society we want to we want to give things a value. Mm. Um, this is worse than that, or this isn't as bad as if it, you know, this happened. And, um, the real truth of the matter is when you're in that situation, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are regarding Mm -hmm. that situation. It is the most horrible position to be in at that time. So, and that's one of the things that we really work towards helping, um, society understand is everything to that parent is important at that time. So that that's a, a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would imagine because you talked about wanting to put values on things, right? And so we tend to do that. I imagine as we see news stories or whatever, we kind of want to try to read between the lines and maybe I'm I'm speaking to myself a little bit, but yeah. having compassion for the, for the families, no matter what, you know, no matter what. This right. And and the Internet has made that, I think, often a little more difficult with social media and things like that. It can often make that a little more um, difficult for people to walk through. But, you know, we we have a, a saying around here that, it, you know, whatever pain you're in at that moment, is real and valuable and, and humongous. And it it's not any less than or any more than someone else's. It's yours at that time. And um, it's the truth. It, it's something that you really have to think about that, you know, at, at that time, it's really important. And I think oftentimes we want to put those values on there as a way of our dealing with it as human beings and parents, because if that's you know, if we would never put ourselves in that situation, it gives us a safety net to say that couldn't happen to me. You know, yeah. we want to say, well, I wouldn't, you know, I would do this differently. So that couldn't happen to me. And it it gives you that sense of security. It makes you feel better as a parent. It makes you get through something that, like you just said, it's hard to fathom. Yeah. And so that's how I think many of us um, cope with that is by coming up with a value for it to say, mm-hmm. okay, it can't happen to me. You yeah. know, as long as I believe this, it can't happen to me. That's so. incredible. That's incredible. That's a great way, incredible way to think about it. It's basically me or whoever, us as a society trying to cope with. Yeah. Incredible- yeah. And I think that's often what happens, you know, when we are critical of situations or, you know, try to say uh, something negative about something that happened to someone else. It's it's our way of coping, of saying, you know, this is this can't happen because my mind can't go there. You know, and, and it's true. It's hard to go there. We can't imagine going there. And, you know, we don't want anyone to imagine going there. Yeah. So I love how basically the mission of what the Morgan Foundation... Morgan Nick Foundation does is, as you said, the pain that you're feeling right now is valid pain. And you guys are you guys are like entering into that pain with them and walking through it as opposed to doing Absolutely. what. Absolutely. Yeah, we want them to know they're not alone. There's yeah. somebody there with them. 
and we can't possibly get it on on their level at that time um but we somewhat get it you know we we want them to know we're we're trying to get it we're trying to be in that moment with them and whatever they need yeah Powerful, man. And honestly, that's what we all need in any type of pain that we experience. Isn't it right? though? Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, somebody to walk through it with us. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, tell us a little bit about you know, so lots of education to a wide to many many kids and and also mm-hmm. you know adults and educators and I believe um, law enforcement type things. Um, what are some of the, what's the safety stuff that you teach kids about? What are some of those points that they would Sure. Know? Well, we teach um, preschool up through college level as far as kids and schools and that kind of thing. Um, and then we also do community, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much go into any organization um, not just schools and mm-hmm. do education for them with the little ones. We tend to focus a little bit more on personal safety um, and the rules of personal safety. And then as they get a little bit older, uh, we go into a lot more internet safety. Um, yeah. And we've done some personal safety with older adults that, you know, want some of that as well. But um, with the kids, we tend to focus a lot more on internet safety, <clears throat> just because that's the bulk of the issues right now, um, and where they need the most, I think, help or direction. Um, and so we do a lot of focus on um, sharing too much information online. Um, we talk about grooming and what that is. We talk about online predators and um, the the truth about online predators, the misconceptions about online predators. We talk about um, sexting, which is a huge issue amongst kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about uh, runaways. We talk about um, cyberbullying and bullying. Um, just a bulk of pretty much anything that has to do with a safety concern Mm -hmm. for kids today. Um, It's gotten to where because kids are using the internet so much younger on a consistent basis that our internet safety has really started to be the primary concern even for the really little kids, you know, kindergarten and uh, because they're online at school all day and they come home and they're online often or they're video gaming online. So we, we focus on all of these things with pretty much every age. And then we try to do as much as we can to reach the parents as well to cover a lot of, of this stuff, because a lot of parents, we get the comment often, I barely know how to use my phone. Yeah, I don't know you know, internet stuff. So we try to keep them as aware as we can of things that they, they need to know, but it's, it's a little bit more difficult sometimes to reach parents. They're busy. They have a lot going on and taking the time out to, you know, come to a, another meeting or something yeah. to learn is a little bit harder for them. Yeah. So you mentioned that you talk about grooming with kids and I'm a, 
so I'm a mental health counselor, and sometimes, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, organizations or people who've experienced sexual abuse, and so sometimes we'll talk about grooming behaviors. What is that? Is there? What does that look like? If you could give a short description of well, of I mean, it, it can take on so many forms, as you know, um, but often online, what happens is you've got someone, a predator who is online reaching out to kids. Um, they will send them a message through an app or um, social media mm -hmm. or even text them on a phone and start up a random conversation. And the one thing that I always try to emphasize with parents is it does not matter how much we say to kids, don't talk to people you don't know online. Mm -hmm. They will. And they do. And they know not to. They can regurgitate all of the rules on how to be safe. They know the rules. The problem is them applying those rules. Mm. And then the other part of that is um, sometimes, as we all know, because we've all been kids and teenagers, they think they know a little bit more about it than what mm. they really do. And so they get a false sense of security about it. And um, I think it's easy to do that. I think we all tend to do that when you're behind a screen in the safety of your home. It's easy to have that false sense of security that nothing can harm me here and I'm protected. And unfortunately, that's just not always the case with the Internet. So um, often these predators will reach out to kids and um, what I think parents and everyone needs to understand is these predators, this is like a job for them. This is an, a huge effort that they spend hours and hours doing. Um, this isn't a come home from a job and for a couple of hours in the evening, I might, you know, it might start that way for someone, mm -hmm. but eventually it becomes a way of life that this is their focus all day long. And um, they're not just grooming one child. They're not going after just one kid. They're going after multiple kids and they've got multiple names and profiles on a disc somewhere that they're saving for future use to go into. So um, it's, it's a huge process typically for a predator. And um, they'll reach out, they'll start up conversations with these kids. Um, they will develop a relationship. And it's just like any other situation where they do profile who they're going after. And there are definitely um, some specifics that might make them target a kid. Um, you know, they're going to go after kids that have low self-esteem. They're going to go after kids who maybe um, if they have a single parent um, who is, you know, often gone and working a lot to try to provide. Um, that's just, an, you know, makes it easier for that predator mm -hmm. to get to them. Um, they're going to go after kids who are... Um, depressed, who need, have that need for attention or need for love and affection. And um, there's just so many aspects 
that can put kids at a little bit higher risk, but they aren't the only ones that they'll go after. They'll go after the popular cheerleader that has a very middle-class suburban life too. So, you know, even though we say there are factors that make make you a little bit more susceptible, um, it doesn't mean that that takes everyone else off the table. They'll go after anyone. Right. But those are definitely some factors that stand out to a predator if they can can get to that. It yeah. just makes it easier for them. So they're really uh, looking for those factors. And if, if, if they can find them, they'll go after that. They might go after others as well. Exactly. Exactly. So they develop these relationships. Um, they brainwash basically is what they're doing with kids. They give them what they're needing, what they're searching for. Um, if they need that attention, they're going to be there to give them that attention they need. Um, you know, you're so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. Oh my gosh. I would, I would love to have someone like you in my life. I would, I would love for you to be my girlfriend or my boyfriend or, um, I would treat you so well. And, um, you know, in conversations where maybe a child's had a really bad day and they're fighting with their parents and they're, you know, they're going to start to put, try to put wedges in between those relationships too, where, you know, oh, your parents don't appreciate you. Oh my gosh. You know, if you were with me, I would, I would do things so differently. And, um, or maybe even just your parents, you know, they're older. They don't get how relationships like ours work. They don't understand the internet as well. They're going to start to put those wedges in there and start to put the wedges in between the kids and their friends, because the idea is to isolate them and to get them just to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they might say something like your friends are jealous of our relationship. They wish they had something like what we've got. Um, they might eventually start to send them gifts and it might be small gestures, but, you know, tickets to a movie that maybe the kids can't afford tickets to movies or to concerts or a purse that this girl's really wanted that's a designer handbag that everyone else has that she wants. Oftentimes it's a cell phone. It Mm. gives them consistent access. They're paying for it. They're paying for the plan. They don't have to worry about their parents noticing how much texting they're doing, how much data they're using. Um, And it just gives them this constant connection to a kid. And so um, those are some of the things that predators will do. And then eventually that turns into inappropriate conversations um, about inappropriate things. And often it'll lead to inappropriate pictures being exchanged. Um, that's kind of how it builds in to yeah. working online. So as you were talking you know, about the grooming and sort of the process that a predator would go through in order to groom a child. You had mentioned earlier that you also teach about like sharing too much information online, for instance. Right. I, I could see where those two things really dovetail because if a child is sharing too much information online, that information is probably part of the information that's used by the predator to groom and to choose who they're going to absolutely kind of go after and, and that sort of stuff. And as a parent, there's several things. I mean, you have to keep in mind um, 
the mentality of a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we often tell kids, you know, don't talk to people on online you don't know. Don't be friends with people online that you don't know, that kind of thing. But you really have to put yourself in the mindset of that age. So if you've got mm-hmm. a 10-year-old and you're telling these instructions to You've got to think about it the way they think about it. As as adults, we know what that means. For kids, often, it means something different. I mean, we can look at a kid that's 10 who's on Facebook and has a list of a 1,000 friends, and you can say, do you know all of these friends that you have online? And they're going to say, yeah, I know them all. And you could pick one out and say, really, you know Johnny here? And he could say, yeah, I know Johnny really, how do you know Johnny? Well, Johnny is my older brother's sister's boyfriend's cousin's nephew. Mm. And so I know him. Yeah. And you're saying you don't know him, but in their mind, if they know someone that knows him, then that person's okay because the person they know is okay. And so I think you have to think in terms of how kids think at different ages and when you're trying to give direction on those things, I think you really have to keep that in mind. It's kind of like giving a, a five-year-old a cell phone. And there are lots of reasons that parents do that that are decent, reasonable reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but are they equipping them with the knowledge that that goes with that? A cell phone has six times greater technology than what it took us to get to the moon. That's a lot of technology in the hands of a young kid. Yeah. And most of the time now they have internet access available to them because when we hand down a cell phone, it's often a smartphone. You know, we're not handing down flip phone flip phones anymore. Right. And so it's internet accessible. And you think about a five year old with a phone, what do you think a five year old would do if someone they didn't know texted them? What do you think their mentality would be? My thought is, huh? I would guess they would return it and be okay with it. They must know me. That's exactly right. They must know me. If they have my cell phone number, they must know me. Yeah. Um, That's probably the mentality of a five-year-old. So you really have to, I think, put your your head into their space and kind of try to work around them and where they're at and what, the way that they would think about it. And it's hard to do. um, And we don't always get it right. But I think that's where you kind of have to go when you're trying to explain these things to them um, on a level for them to get it. Yeah. So as you described the predator as well, it almost sounded like it's a very coordinated sort of approach because you said that they're spending hours and hours and have multiple sort of kids that they're pursuing does that my the impression also that I got was that these are people maybe who are working for large larger organizations that could sort of be. is that possible? Could be. We found that predators are getting younger all the time. And most of the time, one of the things I do when I speak with kids is I'll ask them about their knowledge of a predator. You know, what do they think a predator is? What does that look like to you? Um, and I'll ask parents that that thing, that same question. And it is interesting to hear what they say, because it's always typically not always, but it's typically um, it's an old man 
and he's targeting girls mm-hmm. and um it's typically teenage girls so th- 13 and up is typically what they kind of think um when in reality online predators are equally men and women they are typically young not old i think the average age of an online predator is about 22 years old and it's getting younger all the time um and they are going after boys just as much as they're going after girls mm. um but we hear through media that it's an old man going after girls um mm. you know some old guy in his basement pretending to be a 12 year old girl so that's what we tend to think of but the truth is it, it's a mix And the average age that an online predator goes after is a child that's eight years old and up. So pretty much their whole childhood, they're being targeted in some way. And so um, they do have kind of a methodical take a lot of time to do it kind of thing. Um, But at the same time, they don't. I mean, they'll go after anybody if it's the right circumstance for them. But often a predator will take a year with someone. So it's not a quick fix. They put in some time and effort and build relationships. Um, And then they may, you know, they may get a picture, an inappropriate picture of a child. Um, That relationship may start to dwindle and they don't have as much contact it may be a year later that they come back to this kid and say, hey, I want some more pictures. I, you know, I miss you. I haven't talked to you as much lately. And I, gosh, I'd like to have some more pictures. That The picture you gave me was really hot. You know, you're awesome. Mm-hmm. I miss you. And at that point, if a kid says no, um, they'll typically use what they have to blackmail them to get more. So their goal is to really just build a library of these photos and, you know, maybe to sell um, or for their own use, uh, a variety of of things. But yeah, these are relationships that they work hard at and spend time on. Mm -hmm. So what do, what can parents, teachers, caregivers, how do we prepare our kids? How do we help? What do we Well, for us, we believe wholeheartedly that education Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest ways that you can prepare your kids. Um, Like I said before, one of the things I love the most is to see kids learn something and say, oh, I'm going to change that. I'm not going to do that anymore. So for us, we really believe education is a huge factor to know. You know, I think as parents, I mean, I'm a parent. I have three grown children. I have grandchildren. And um, as a parent, I know what it's like to try to make that decision. Do I mention this to my kid? Do I not? Am I telling them something that is going to give them ideas about things? Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, the answer to that is no, you're not going to tell them something they don't know. Or even if you do, they'll hear about it pretty quickly anyway. Yeah. And better it it's come from you. It's not far than, behind. Do what? And better it come from you than some other person. Exactly. You want that to come from you and to be truthful 
and on point as opposed to misinformation from 10 other kids that are telling you 10 different things. So talk to your kids about it. It is much better if it comes from you and it's truthful and they can ask you questions that you can answer or you can say, I don't know, but I will find out for you. I will let you know the the answer to this because they're hearing it. They're hearing it at school. They're hearing it from their friends. They're hearing it on social media. They're reading it online. They're hearing it in videos and movies and TV shows. They're hearing it. The difference is, what are they hearing about it? What is the truth about it? Are are they scared? Are they taking it too lightly? Um, They hear about it, though. So talk to them. Use the things that come up, you know, just in the last couple of days, there's been a big, big thing online about Momo. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, for and sure. all the controversy with that. And, you know, parents afraid to talk to their kids about it. You know, I don't want to scare them. I don't want to, um, you know, anything like that. The truth is that character was it was actually designed by a movie company. And that was an an artist that made that. It's actually a sculpture, Mm. the picture that's being used for that. And it was made by a film company in, I can't remember where, like an Asian country. But, um, you know, tell the truth about that. Oh, look, I know this is scary. You may have even seen pictures of this. But look, this is a statue. It was made for a film. It was made for a movie. Yeah. I mean, how much does that take out the fear in that right. when you go, oh, that's what that was. That was designed for a movie prop. OK. And and then you can talk about, yeah, it looks scary, doesn't it? Well, it was meant to because it's made for a scary movie, yeah. but you can see it in pictures. It's just a half a thing, a little statue. It's not like a full doll or it's just a head prop. And it's on a little statue. So it really kind of takes the fear out of it. And you can say, you know, you may hear things about it. You may see things about it, but they're not true. And don't, you know, listen to it. It may appear in in a cartoon sometime because there are people out there that that want to scare little kids and they think it's funny. Um, It's not funny and it is kind of scary. But if you see that in something, tell me and let's talk about it and let's let's discuss what you heard and why it scared you. That takes so much um, power from that if you just openly discuss it as opposed to the fear of, oh, I don't want my kid to see it. I've got to hide it every, you know, hide this and mm-hmm. um, and who knows what they're being told about it on the side that you don't know about. Yeah. And, you know, I'm making some connections between the idea of if hiding, hiding it and being afraid to talk about it with our kids and the idea of how the predator also wants to hide things and to have those, have those pictures and say, hey, I'm, if you don't give me more pictures, I'm going to expose this. And, and how we are openly talking as parents about, you know, things such as the Momo deal or, you know, other things that are difficult to talk about then we're creating an environment with our children where 
we can talk about hard things and I can go to my parents. And exactly. even, even if it's something that's really, really embarrassing and something that I think my, I know my parents wouldn't be okay with, I can talk to them because they can right. handle it. And so then they can come to us when that person is trying to get them to give them, give pictures that are inappropriate and not have to hide it and not have to exactly. keep it in the dark. And I imagine that. Yeah, protects I mean, them. we've all been there. If you think back to when you were a teenager, your ultimate goal was to keep your parents from knowing anything, right? You didn't want them to know anything about your life, anything about any of your friends' lives. You know, that right. was the ultimate goal because you were terrified of what might happen out of that. Yeah. And as a parent, if you make those conversations open and transparent, um, then your kids don't have to guess and wonder and live in this secret world. Um the other thing that we try to really express with that is you have to work on not being shocked by it either. You know, if you want your kids to talk to you and you want them to be able to come to you with those things, you can't give them that shocked, you know, scared to death. Oh my gosh. You know, freaked out kind of moment with it, or they won't do it again. You have to, you know, be calm in the moment and then, you know, excuse yourself a little <laughs> bit later and go scream in a pillow or something and, yeah. you know, be terrified in private. But um, you have to, you have to be calm and you have to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think this means? Or how, you know, are any of your friends doing that? And why do you think they would do that? And what, what do you think they should do about it? How should we, you know, go about handling this? And what are some ideas you could say to your friend about that? Um, and just not show that terrified fear because that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of you having that terrified reaction right. um, and them getting in trouble for normal curiosity about yeah. the world and what they're hearing and what they're seeing. So, yeah, don't don't give them the terrified, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. don't ever do that again. Don't look at that. Don't, you know, right. you have to. The The other thing that we often um, try to tell parents too, when we get parents that say, like, I don't, I can barely use my phone. I don't know much about the internet. How am I supposed to discuss these things with my kids or know what's going on when, when I don't know this stuff myself? And um, the number one thing that we encourage is then learn. Then, then take some time and learn. But the other part of that is if you don't know something, ask your kids. <laughs> ask your kids. They will tell you. I have grown kids. I still ask my kids when I hear something that I don't know what that lingo means yeah. or, you know, what that is. I ask my kids um, as they're getting older. They don't know as much anymore <laughs> as they used to. But um Kids like to feel like they know. They like to feel like they can help and that yeah. they they'll tell you. Yeah. If you don't know something and you ask them, what is this app for and what does it do? Can you show me how this works? They'll do it. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten, they are happy to help you and show you. Um, they don't seem to have the forethought to think, oh, this might not be a good idea because yeah. mom might be able to know what's <laughs> going on now. Yeah. They don't really think that way. They typically are like, oh, yeah, this is how it works. This is what you do. They'll help you. So ask your kids yeah. if you I, don't know. 
what I love about that is it's it's taking interest in their world. So they have exactly. this world that is very important to them and is their experience of the world. And if we just say, oh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not interested. Then it separates us from them. Whereas if we're like, True. hey, teach me how to do this, then we're we're inserting ourselves into that world, which one builds relationship with them and two um, sort of decreases the the level of secrecy as well. The, they there is less secrecy or less hiding when we're involved right. in life, involved in their world. So that's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's perfectly well said. So um, this has been so, it's so informative. I'm just learning a ton and I'm like so thankful for the opportunity to hear about all this. Are there any, you know, like if, if you could say one thing to every parent or every child about this, what would be the one thing kind of that you would want them to take away um, from if they were to listen to this podcast? I think it would be talk to your kids. Yeah. Really talk to your kids about anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, educate yourself, educate your kids and have communication with them um, as much and as often as you can. Don't be afraid to mention things. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we a, a lot of times I think we have been taught that there's this privacy thing and uh, that we have to worry about that with our kids. And the truth of the matter is they're kids. Yeah. They're under 18. Um, and we have laws in our country about that for a reason, because they're not capable yet of understanding and making decisions um, that really go along with these internet safety and personal mm-hmm. safety issues. They're not there yet. And your your job as a parent is to guide and direct them. So guide and direct them with conversations. You know, it doesn't have to be a bossy, um, get off the internet. Don't, you know, right. don't talk, don't do anything. You know, it can be an open conversation and dialogue Um, And don't be afraid of that. Just have those conversations, build those relationships. Yeah. Empowering parents to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Empowering the parents, empowering the kids. That's what it's about. Wonderful. If people were wanting to, you know, having listened to this and wanting to look more into the Morgan Nick Foundation or even support the foundation, are there certain ways that they could do that? Yeah, um, we have a website. It's just www.morgannickfoundation.com. And we have uh, things on our website that we have some education stuff on there if you need that. Um, We have uh, ways that you can support us. We have um, we only do really one fundraiser a year um, and it's a 5K run that's coming up. Um, It's actually May 4th this year. And you can support us by running in that or donating to that, or just um, you can just donate to the foundation if you want. We're a nonprofit and all of our education is free. Um, We don't charge anything for that. Um, So we rely on, on the help of of the community and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, check out the website. Um, We're on social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and um, we'd love for you to, to find us and support us. Great. Definitely. I hope that I know I will be supporting you guys and I'm hopeful <laughs> uh, that some people who listen will as well. Thank you 
uh, so much for taking the time to be here and to, to educate my, me and hopefully the people <laughs> who are listening here. Uh, Thank you for a, having us. Absolutely. We appreciate being able to um, do some education in this venue. Yeah. I mean, hey, podcasts, they're, they're apparently a lot of people listen to them. I'm not sure that they <laughs> listen to this one. <laughs> I love, I've actually just in the last year gotten into podcasts and I love them. They're great when, especially when you're traveling in a car, it's like That's, perfect. Yeah. So um, definitely glad to be able to be a part of uh, spreading the word and having, having the message out. And I'm so thankful for you. To well, have thank you. Today. We're thankful for what you're doing as well. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about protecting your child from an online predator, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at ConnectionsQuincy.com.